The scripture reading this morning is from Luke, fourth chapter, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all for you. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, and he placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But here, so here we have this story of Jesus in the wilderness who was led by the Spirit, Luke tells us. We, he just got baptized when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased, my beloved. Uh, and then the same Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days uh, to be tested. And why he's out there, what the purpose of this isn't made explicit. Maybe it's to perform a, a ritual cleansing of body and spirit uh, before embarking on his ministry. In the ancient world, it was not unusual. In fact, in most cultures, it's not unusual to take a, a fast and do some kind of vision quest, if you will, some kind of... Uh, you know, denying oneself and being off in the wilderness for a while as a ritual cleansing. That's a, that's kind of a cultural norm that crosses a lot of cultural not, uh, lines in that. So it may have been something to that effect. Maybe Jesus was out seeking discernment about next steps. If, if you're someone who fasts as part of your spiritual discipline, uh, oftentimes if I'm trying to make a, a, a big decision, I'll fast for a while and, and spend that time focusing on God to try and seek discernment. Or maybe Jesus goes out there specifically to be tested. Right? Uh, whatever the case, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. We are told in the story that the devil comes to tempt Christ with the lure of food when he is hungry, with power and with a dramatic show of God's power. 
Oh, and the devil knows his job, doesn't he? He is the master when it comes to this temptation stuff. He knows just where to hit Jesus. Oh, you've been out here for 40 days. Jesus, you must, you must be starving. Well, make yourself some bread. There's nothing wrong with bread. God certainly wouldn't want you to go hungry. That's, that's ridiculous. Make yourself a little bit of bread. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus thinks about it and responds, a lot of people are hungry. That's why I have come. And the bread I bring will satisfy them forever. It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Deuteronomy 8.3 Oh, hey, Jesus, God sent you to save the world and to show them the way to God, but then He's making you do it as a poor carpenter from Nazareth? That isn't a very good plan. I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be easier if you were the ruler of the world? Bow down to me and I'll make you the ruler of the world. People would listen a lot better if you wore a crown and wielded some power. Jesus responds, only God rules the world. Only God is worthy of worship. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Deuteronomy 6.13 Listen, Jesus, are you even sure that God is out there? Are you even sure that God is really with you on this? Maybe you just cooked this up in your own imagination. Maybe you're imagining God. Maybe you're making all this up in your head. Are you sure you are the anointed one? Let's make sure before we go around trying to tell everybody what they ought to be thinking and feeling. Let's make sure that God is faithful in God's promises. Jump off this tower. And if God is God, God will lift you up. I don't need a test, Satan. I have faith. It is said, do not put the Lord God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16 Now hit the road, Jack. Sends him off. So Jesus' faith was put to the test in this kind of, of self-induced trial, really. Jesus goes out into the wilderness and, and brings this on Himself. Right? It was almost predictable you'd have some kind of encounter and, and have to deal with this kind of stuff. And of course, he passed. Right? In fact, Jesus got an A-plus on his test out in the wilderness. But if your life is like mine, one need not contrive a test by starving oneself in the desert. Or just sit around and wait, and something will come along that's going to test your faith. Well, just stand there long enough and something will make you wonder, make you doubt, make you weak, make you feel like maybe you're not on the right path. Oh, just wait long enough. You don't have to go make one up out in the desert. Last week I talked about Mother Teresa and how she had this long crisis of faith through most of her career. And... Uh, and I, as I reflected on that, I think, you know, the tests come when you are trying to change the world because you have to face 
the harsh reality before you can actually go out and, and change it. Of course her faith was tested. Of course she was doubting God. Of course she wondered if there was really any point to it all. When you hold a dying child in your arms and you don't know how to make it better and you're surrounded by hopelessness and despair, of course your faith is going to waver and you're going to be in faith crisis. That's what happens when you get out there and you get your hands dirty. Your faith is tried and tested. Of course it wavers. If you isolate yourself away in a nice little faith bubble uh, where you can't see anything wrong and you can't, you know, you just try to isolate yourself away from it, of course your faith is easy. It's never going to waver. If you just hide yourself away from it all, there's nothing to confront it in that case. But when you get out there, and you get out in the world, and you use your faith to try and change things, and you find it, it's not as easy as that, <laughs> of course your faith is going to be tested. However, tests just come with living one's life, don't they? Someone you love dies too soon and in a tragic way, and you wonder why life is so unfair. Some great tragedy occurs and you ask, why did God allow this suffering? You lose your job or you lose your marriage or you lose something. And you wonder if you're being punished by God for something you have done. You are confronted by a world that finds more and more reason to doubt that God cares or is even there. All you once thought was true all of a sudden comes into question. I don't even know what I believe anymore. You go to the doctor because of a persistent cold only to find out you have something that will change your entire life forever. We don't have to go out into the wilderness to be tested, amen? The wilderness comes and finds us, doesn't it? The wilderness comes and beats on our door and drags us out into the world and tests us. So how do we hold on to our faith in the face of such tests? How do we hold on to our faith when we are confronted day after day with faith-testing realities like cold water in our face? <laughs> How do we hold on? Well, I think Jesus provides us some insights. My favorite part about this story, the thing that speaks most truth into my heart in this story that I love the most, that is a gift to me personally, is that Jesus gets through this test without performing one miracle. You know, walking on water is great and all of that, but I cannot relate to walking on water. I have never done it, although I used to water ski pretty well and it looked like walking on water, you know. 
I had that great, you know, form. <laughs> I used to water ski well, but walking on water, a whole different thing. Never, never really did much to it. And, and the notion that, that if Jesus could just come and touch me and take away my problems, oh, that's tempting. It's tempting to want that. But that has never once happened to me. And I know that miraculous things has happened to... In fact, I know better than most of you that within this congregation, amazing, miraculous things have happened. Unexplainable things. And I don't question those uh, because too many of you have come and told me about them. And you're a little shy about it. Maybe you ought to share those stories a little more than just me. But, you know, I know that amazing, miraculous things have happened in people's lives. But for me, on the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty where the rubber hits the road, it is not in a miraculous healing. It is not in those demons that I carry around like, like so much weight in a sack on my back being exercised in an instant. That is not... My experience, my experience is that that faith is a slog. We got to work at it every day, and Jesus demonstrates that for us in that in this temptation, in this situation. Forty days with no food, isolated away from anybody, hasn't talked to anybody. Finally, gets to talk to someone, and it's the devil. Right? Uh, you know, that has to deal with that. That in the midst of that, Jesus did not call on his superhuman powers, but dealt with it in the same way you and I have to deal with it. Amen. What a gift. What a gift the Bible gives us in this story of no miracle. <laughs> a gift that says you can do it. The same way I did it. So I guess my first point is that Jesus demonstrates for us that all the strength that you and I need is already there. You have it. You have it. Jesus called on that same Holy Spirit strength that you and I get to call on to. So you already have it. And Jesus at His weakest moments... Turn to God's Word for strength. Turn to God. Looking in Scripture, looking in prayer. Often our first instinct when we are weak and most vulnerable is to isolate ourselves from God and from the community of God. This, I never understand this but i you know what you're i'm talking about how many of you when the worst things are happening in your life wake up sunday morning go i don't want i'm not going to church i don't want to i'm too depressed i'm too i'm too sad i'm too overwhelmed with this thing that i just i don't even want to i don't want to be around people i don't want to face all of that and you say i don't i don't want to be there. Well, wrong. This is a bad move on your part. This is a bad move. Because it is here where the Holy Spirit can, can give you some nurture, can give you some, some strength, can give you some courage. Here where the people of God are, are willing to pray with you and for you. Here where just the sense of God's Holy Spirit gets stirred up 
right here. And you know what? Well, if you need some space, we'll give you some space, right? We, we're not going to be all up in your business. A couple of us might be. But, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we've got other folks who will pull them off. Of you, you know, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we'll give you the space you need. If you just don't want to be around people, that's okay. That's fine. But Lord, help you. We need to be here in our most difficult times. We need to be nurtured by God's Word. Amen. Thank you. I guarantee to the person, to the person, I have every time, and no one has ever told me anything contrary to this, when someone at their lowest point decides to go ahead and get up and get dressed and come to church, they, to the person, they walk out and they say, I wasn't going to come today, but I really needed this. It was as if the God was speaking right to me. Or they look at me like, how did you know what to say? Like I had anything to do with it. right? How did you know exactly what to say? Were you just pointing that right at me? It's not me. It's God trying to nurture and help you out. Amen? To the person. <laughs> no one has ever said, man, I didn't want to come to church today and I wish I hadn't. That was awful. <laughs> I, I came here feeling bad. I feel worse. No one. No one has ever said that. So, just just take my word for it. When you're feeling like you don't want to be here, that's exactly when you need to be here. Uh, and and you need to be nurtured by the Word of God, spoken in love, and by each other. We're a community. We're a family. Amen? And we need each other in those times. The other thing I want to say is Jesus was able to resist... Because Jesus knew who He was. He'd just come back from that baptism where God said, You are My beloved Son, and I am well pleased in You. Boy, you go out the door hearing that every morning, how, you know, you, and believing it, you're equipped to face all that is out there. If you walk out the door every morning and you imagine hearing the voice of God saying to you, You are My beloved daughter. You are My beloved Son. And I am so pleased in who you are. You ought to put that on your door or something as you walk out the door and just go, okay, thank you. <laughs> and walk out ready to go. Because God, Jesus knew who He was. And I think that was probably the, the biggest factor here. Because, you know, when we're tested, when we're tempted, uh, it is the security of knowing who we are that is going to get us there. Temptation is enticing us to behave in ways that, who we, that is contrary to who we really are. You know, when we give in to temptation, it's because we are acting in a way that is completely contrary to who we really are deep down. And the, the remedy to that is to be really secure in who you are and know when we are grounded, when we know who we are and where we are going, we will be far less inclined to be tempted to behave in ways inconsistent with that person God has created us to be. And who you are is grounded in that. In who God has made each of us to be. We can look for ourselves we can reinvent ourselves. We can be all that we can be. 
We can project an image. We can come up with a brand for ourselves, rebrand ourselves. We can get a makeover or we can say yes to the dress. But who we are in Christ is who we really are. Amen? Who we are in Christ is who we really are. And who we are in Christ is the beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. Amen? In faith, it is faith that points us toward that person. It is our faith that nurtures us toward being who we ought to be, who we were created to be. It is our faith that points us to our higher selves. And that faith gets tested all the time. Amen? It's tested every day. And I dare say it's being tested in unique ways even today. 